0: What I'm about to describe will sound like a cheap cliché movie script, but this did indeed happen. Even at home, barely anybody believes me without confirmation from other parties involved. So buckle up, it's a long haul. Autumn 2019, I'm in British Columbia, Canada. I'm originally from Germany, but spent half a year in Canada as part of my bachelor's degree. I barely got back before COVID hit. I was 22 years old at the time and the other people involved were about the same age. Another foreign student and I befriended this local Canadian student. We all had the same interests and humor, and the dude became a very good friend of ours. He told us all about the local area, and we spent a week in the summer with him and his father at their very remote, remember this fact, cabin near some woods. They taught us how to handle guns there and even let us shoot a lot. Then fall came and we had a lot of free time due to being finished with all our papers and such. So our buddy proposes that we go and spend a few days at his dad's cabin, this time without his father there. We said yeah, because we could load up on booze and weed and have a great time for sure, just living the life. Three close dudes in the woods, gaming and getting wasted. Sounds great, right? After loading up on all the supplies, the first three days were pretty calm. On the first day, just like the last time we were there, I barely slept, and was generally tense. This is because I'm naturally a very paranoid guy, and I often go into alert mode in situations which is often mocked by my friends. In this case, what freaked me out was the fact that we were far, far away from civilization. And you never understand just how quiet your surroundings can be until you spend some time in a remote area like this, which led me to often just standing in the dark at night, listening to the surroundings of the cabin. But after the first few days, I got less paranoid. After all, I was with friends, was constantly high, and we were quite armed and dangerous. Probably the most dangerous to ourselves, though. Day four came. We spent the day attempting to hunt in the woods, but mostly just chilling under trees with a beer and rifle in hand. But in the evening, it began to rain heavily. After an hour, we were starting to see lightning in the distance with quite a bit of time passing between lightning and thunder, which meant the thunderstorm itself was still some time away. So we called it quits on our incompetent hunting attempts, and started trekking back towards the cabin. It took us about an hour to reach it, due to the fact that it was very dark out already, and the rain had created unsafe footing. For context, you should know that once you've spent a few days in the wilderness, and haven't seen a soul other than your friends, you can become quite careless about your surroundings. I think you can imagine why I'm telling you that last part. So we enter the cabin. At that time, the thunderstorm was raging full on. We put away our gear and changed clothes. Except for our guns. Yeah, I know drugs and guns are a horrible combination, and I wouldn't mix that sh** nowadays, but we were drilled quite well by Canadian friend's dad regarding trigger discipline, safety, etc. And man, I really miss spooning my rifle while sleeping. We cozy down in the living room at a table, started a YouTube video, and began playing cards. Barely twenty minutes had passed since we returned, and at the time, we didn't bother closing the curtains in the living room, because thunderstorms are baller as hell. So imagine that we were three guys, sitting around a table, occasionally in awe at the weather outside, while playing cards. In such a remote place, it's extremely dark outside, without a full moon and clear skies, It's basically pitch black. The only lamps we have are old-ass vintage-looking and dimmer than my phone screen. What comes next is how my also non-local friend has described what he saw. While sipping from his beer, another lightning went off. He spit it out instantly after the lightning came and screamed loudly and stood up. No words, just the sound of sheer panic. My Canadian friend and I were instantly perplexed. looked at him. There's somebody outside. He started rambling about how in that split second the lightning illuminated the outside of the cabin. He saw a person standing a bit of a distance away, looking directly at us. My non-local friend is obviously in full-on panic. His face is filled with anxiety. This communicated to our Canadian buddy and me that this guy wasn't just messing around with us. He did see somebody outside. I grabbed my rifle and pulled the bolt to rack around into the chamber. I feel that warm sensation running down my spine, of my body releasing adrenaline. I tried staying far away from that window, peering my best in the darkness outside, but I couldn't see anything. While our Canadian friend rushed into his room to grab his pistol, I start panicking even more because I realize we didn't lock the door. Why would we? We haven't seen anyone in days, and are in the middle of nowhere but I still run to the door and lock it. Our friend returns with his pistol, which he grabbed because there was a flashlight attached to it. He carefully approached the window, then changed his pace from sneaky to fast and pushed the window open with one hand while the other hand was aiming the handgun outside. I wish I was any good at drawing because what we saw next when our friend turned on the flashlight was the most terrifying image I've ever seen. It's burned into my mind. The fact that I cannot share the image with other people has been bugging me for three years now. The light turns on, and what we saw in that moment was a man, tall and slim, dressed in all black, with a hooded raincoat, which he had pulled over his head, covering pretty much all of his features, except for his eyes. But not far away from the cabin, just a few steps away from the window, not standing as our friend had yelled earlier, crouching, looking directly at us with clenched eyes and a terrifying little smirk to one side of his mouth. Another lightning flashes, and for that moment, we were all frozen. What we saw must have shocked the other guys as much as it did me, because nobody said anything for a few seconds. There's a hard to explain dreadful feeling about seeing something like this, in a storm, in the middle of nowhere. A person dressed in a black raincoat, suddenly crouching so close to you, and peering directly into your soul. Our Canadian buddy was aiming his pistol and flashlight at the also frozen, crouched, smirking man, and yelled out with a slight stutter and a higher pitched voice than I've ever heard from him, "Get, get, get the f- away from us, or we'll shoot!" I guess at that moment, after his eyes had adjusted, the raincoat man realized that this was not just a flashlight. But a gun. Raincoat man's slight smirk changed to something where I'm unsure if it was shock or rage. All this had happened in less than a minute. While my friend kept on yelling, the raincoat figure turned by about 90 degrees towards the nearest tree line and went from crouched to full on sprint. He ran away to the right side of our window. Two of us poked our heads out of the window to see where exactly he was heading, but with the heavy rainfall, In darkness, we could barely make out anything in the distance of that tree line. After a few minutes of just looking at each other in disbelief, we decided to pop off a few rounds outside the window to prove that we were for real in our threat, and to cope with the situation in whole. When the shock wore off, we decided to call the police. They asked a lot of questions on the phone to describe the location of the cabin and a description of the man who just almost crept up on us, totally unsuspecting and only revealed due to lightning and luck. Due to us being in such a remote area, the cops told us that it would take at least one to two hours for somebody to come out. They asked because of the weather and time, if it'd be alright if they send somebody out in the morning, to talk to us and get all the details. Given how the man saw that we were armed, he probably wouldn't come back again. We agreed to the police coming out later, and we discussed just jumping in the truck and leaving right then, but that would have meant refueling the truck. And the idea of doing this now, in the dark and in that heavy rain, was simply too frightening to muster. I kept thinking about this guy lurking in the darkness and attempting to pick us off one by one. We spent the night sleeping in shifts. One person was awake and standing guard. The others at least attempted to sleep. When my turn came, the rain had died down. I turned off all the lights, opened a window, and just sat there in the darkness trying to listen for any sound that I could hear, and looking out the windows to scan the area. Let me tell you, when you're sitting in the dark for hours, in full alert mode, just trying to sit still, listen and look around, you have a lot of time to think and reevaluate what had just happened. Close to the middle of the next day, two cops arrived. We had to give them a detailed report of what happened, when it happened, and to show them in which direction the raincoat shade ran off to. They said they would organize for a patrol to comb through the woods, but that might take a while because they needed experienced outdoorsmen. Sadly, we didn't see many details of the man's face. We couldn't tell if he was young or old, only that he was tall and clean-shaven. The chances of finding exactly who that was, and find out what the hell he was attempting to do, were very slim. Though one of the officers expressed that this whole happening was deeply worrying. We left the cabin a few hours later, after the police had left, and Canadian Guy's dad insisted we stay at his place at least for a day, not just for the safety, but also because he wanted to hear every last detail from that night. We heard later that the dad and his brother went back to the cabin and just sat there in the dark, waiting for Raincoat Man to return. But I never heard any of the results, so I guess he must have gone hunting in another area. I also never heard from the cops again, Next January, I left Canada and returned home. My Canadian friend was called in for an interview a few months later, and it seemed like the police were still seriously investigating this, looking for the guy who crept up on a cabin during a thunderstorm. The image of that crouched raincoat figure, completely wet and surrounded by darkness, so close to our cabin, is literally burned into my brain. I will most likely never forget this. I still sometimes turn off all the lights and just look out the windows in silence trying to listen for sounds, even though I'm now on the other side of the world. We have speculated a lot about what that guy was. The winning theory is that this guy most certainly had sinister intentions. This didn't look like just an attempt at burglary. Remember, we had dim lights on. You could see that there was somebody inside the cabin. When my friend had yelled out that he saw somebody, the guy went from walking and standing to crouching as he got closer to the window. I suspect the raincoat man wanted to check what kind of victim was on his menu. And I don't want to imagine what he had in store if he had found some less prepared individuals in that cabin. We didn't see any headlights pass by during the night. The guy also had no backpack or anything. Just the raincoat and black weather appropriate clothing. I bet my soul that this guy was on a mission. He knew exactly what he was doing. And what he was well prepared for. While telling all this... I also started thinking about the logistics of it all. The guy must have had a camp, or at least a car hidden somewhere in those woods. You can't sustain yourself out there otherwise. I also got the feeling that he either came upon the cabin during the storm itself, or that he had spotted us in the woods during our hunting. We moved slowly, while also not being shy with waving our lights around. And in total pitch darkness, a proper flashlight would have been easy to spot out there. So he might have tracked us through the woods until we reached the cabin. If anybody has heard about similar things happening in the area of British Columbia near Vancouver, please let me know. The mystery has a grip on me for the rest of my life. Sometimes, I even still dream of this raincoat figure creeping closer towards me with each flash of lightning. So this is something that happened to me a couple years back, but it still freaks me out when I think about it. To start with, this was at around midnight, and I was in my room browsing stuff on my phone, or watching YouTube, something like that, when I suddenly hear what sounds like knocking outside my bedroom window, which is on the ground level just for context. I shrug it off at first, thinking that maybe it's a squirrel, or something else, until I heard the same sounds again. Which is when i started to become concerned it was at this point that i left my room and called my dad to tell him about what was happening he tried to reassure me it was nothing and while this was happening i heard even more knocking come from around the front door i tried calling out to see if it was one of my siblings or anything like that but i didn't get any answers and at this point i was starting to really freak out it was after this that i heard someone at my back door trying to force it open. It was locked, thankfully. My dog finally caught on that something wasn't right and began barking like crazy at the other end of the door, which I think drove off whoever was out there. After this happened, I called my grandpa who lived a block over to come and pick me up because I was way too scared to be able to stay the night in that house. In retrospect, I should have just called the police, but I wasn't thinking straight as evidenced by the fact that I was shivering on the couch, holding a kitchen knife, the whole time I waited for my grandfather. I still have no idea who was out there that night. I had taken a walk alone in nature earlier that day, and my only working theory is that someone had followed me home. I later learned that there were drifters living in the woods around that area, which only adds to the thoughts that I originally had. I think the scariest thing about this entire experience is that I would have written it off as an overactive imagination, But for my father coming over the next day and walking around the property, only to realize that there were two sets of fresh footprints made in the mud outside of our house. I hadn't been out there, my siblings have small feet, and these footprints were even larger than my dad's work boots, so I truly have no idea where they came from at this point. I just hope they don't come back. Back when I was much younger, I used to have a friend named Billy, and his older brother Jack. There was a neighbor up above on a hill down the road from their house, who was normally reclusive. As a friend who just came over every weekend, I wasn't really aware of his existence at first. One night, though, I heard creaking on their balcony outside while I was sleeping in the living room. The living room had three large windows, facing the balcony next to the street, and a door to the left. I was having trouble sleeping since me and the friends had been playing horror games. I looked out the window and saw the flash of a light coming from the balcony. I understandably flipped the f*** out and Billy's parents came running and ran out onto the balcony where they caught a glimpse of a man sprinting away. We stayed up that night, eating snacks, just kind of vibing, all to cover up the fact that we were scared. The next weekend I was there. A man showed up at the door with a camera, recording us without us knowing for a few moments. Billy's dad went out there and started yelling at him, as he followed him up the road, and the police were eventually called. I'll admit, Billy's dad didn't handle it the best, but hey, we were all stressed, and it was becoming a lot. The man was later identified as Daniel Vincent Kelly. The next weekend, we saw that very same neighbor, down in the far distance in a large parking lot that we could see nearby a lake. He was riding his bike, shirtless, in circles under a large spotlight, sometimes looking up at the house where we were. We were again horrified, and the man was clearly mentally ill. He vanished from the spotlight, and for the remainder of the night, we were holed up by the windows with weapons in case he tried to record us or break in. The next weekend... We woke up in the night to a loud noise. We found his bike sitting up against the edge of the house on Billy's parents' property. We grabbed weapons and kept an eye out that night, and contacted the authorities once more. They found Mr. Kelly and informed us of a YouTube channel that he had. This is the most chilling part to me by far, and the part that gives me extreme anxiety at night almost every time I see a window. The most harrowing videos have been deleted due to legal troubles surrounding being non-consensually filmed, although there are several videos that are still live to this day, including this one that I find super off-putting. He walks around their house and claims that a hole in their screen door, which I can never verify existed, has allowed Billy's parents' dog to escape and to attack his dog. He claims that within just a few minutes, my friend's mother replaced the screen on the door, and is covering it up, which is obviously false. The deleted videos still make me sick to think about, as there were at least 20 videos of him secretly recording us, some from long before my first encounter with him. One that I remember vividly was in broad daylight. He was just laying down behind a hill, holding his phone up over it and recording us, calling me and my friend disgusting piglets as we played on the porch. At least 10 of the videos featured me and almost all of them featured my friend. Some of them even had Kelly uttering threats, which was absolutely terrifying. Sadly, I wasn't allowed over the following weeks, and I don't know how it really ended. I've never seen Kelly again, and don't know if he ever got arrested or simply moved away. Truth be told, I'm fine with never finding out. It's worth more to me to never see that creepy man ever again.